2: This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired August 12, 2017. The only thing we have to fear is... The economic health of this nation has been... ...more essential, essential economic freedom.
0: The excessive, the excessive, excessive decline, decline in the dollar... ...lack of better work.
1: late rally on Wall Street... ...took to fail... ...growing the ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy...
3: Welcome. <laughs>
2: This is Money Talks.
3: Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest running, most respected money show on radio. I'm your host, Nick Antonucci, a research analyst, joined today by Casey Smith, managing associate, and Jarrett McKenzie, Senior Associate. You got it, man. Both certified financial planners joining us from our P&I department today. Good to have you here, guys.
0: Thanks. Good Good to to be be here. here.
3: So uh, as you guys know, we're going to start off the segment with a little bit of recap of what's been going on in the markets this week. It's a different week than what we've had the past few yeah, we've had volatility for once, right? I, <laughs> Quite a bit So We
1: shouldn't be too excited about that, but it is, I know, right? It, the it's just unusual. So uh, you know, the market's down a little bit this week.
3: Yeah, and down about one and a quarter percent. The interesting thing is, though, it's not, I guess, you know, economic fundamentals or concern regarding that that's really driven the market lower this week. Right. I mean, if you turn on the TV, you know, it's geopolitical tensions. It's mm-hmm. Korea. It's North Korea, yeah. and the rhetoric, rhetoric back and forth with them. They came out saying, hey, we have you know miniaturized warheads. We can put in missiles now, and obviously that's a threat to sure. really anyone who those missiles can reach or any of our allies. Trump comes out and says you will be met with fire and fury and then came out today. The likes of which said, have never
1: been seen. That's right, and, ca-
3: <laughs> and in fact came out today and said something along the lines of that was an understatement. Yeah. You know, this is within the past couple of hours. Yeah, um, that's been in the headlines. So
1: it sort of reminds me of like a uh, WWE Raw. It really right, does. You know, promo. I mean, the language is like, <laughs>
3: who
0: yeah, did I mean, you come up with this? It's yeah. getting
1: a little, a little crazy as far as the, the rhetoric is concerned. And even China is, is coming out and like, all right, you guys need to, need to calm down. Everybody, just take a step back, take a deep breath. Let's all come to, to our the senses The thing is here. that
3: nobody wants this. This is not good for anyone. This yeah. is certainly not good for North Korea. And and one thing that needs to be understood is we're not, it's not like North Korea is going to fire a missile off and hit us over here. They don't have that sort of range. You know, they talk about Guam, which it's not wise of them to come out and threaten us like that. But the concern is, you know, they fire off if we fired them or they fire off at South Korea, obviously our allies. We have to. We have to go in and support them. Well, so, I think
0: it gets shot down even if they tried. I, th- know, I think so, reached.
3: too. I think so, too. I think at this point it's a lot of talk, and I don't anticipate anything to come of it mm-hmm. in the near term. But it's certainly driving the markets lower, um, as we mentioned. So still up for the year, 10.46% on the S&P 500. Can't really complain about that. We always say the long-term average return on, on large-cap stocks is about 10%. So, um, we're basically right in line with that. As has been the case for the whole year, technology is leading us higher, up 2%, uh, followed by healthcare and utilities. So, two more defensive plays there. I think it's interesting that you still have utilities, one of the top three performers, as people probably are making a yield play yeah. on that. Still hard to find yield anywhere else. Really it good. really is. And we'll get into kind of where Treasuries are um, in just a little bit. Um, energy sector continues to be the worst performer, even as energy prices. Are up year over year, and actually, it's a good good place for us to transition. Kind of recap earnings season since it is winding to a close. We're about ninety percent of the way through earnings season. Um, overall, S and P 500 has grown earnings just under ten percent. And um, actually, what's interesting. Is this could be the first time since 2011 that we've had back to back consecutive double digit earnings growth? So we're just shy of that right now. But I mean, you're talking, you know, just rounding there up to ten yeah. percent. but. Uh, Back to energy. Energy has grown earnings two hundred and ten percent. Yeah, well, I mean, you have easy comps. That's what
1: I was about to say. The comps are are quite a bit lowered after the the you know energy downturn you know over the past what twenty four months previously to to I guess twenty sixteen. So it's. It's been kind of a, a wild ride for energy, but that the comps being lower should help you know, help their earnings, right? Not yeah, absolutely. And and these energy
3: companies, they've learned how to operate in this environment. You know, they've gotten more and more lean. So you're seeing profitability return. They can drill at lower and lower prices, but then again, as soon as that happens, that's what's pushing, you know, supply higher and prices right back down. Yeah. So and this is actually you know, this is trickling through into a number of readings. You're not seeing a whole lot in terms of inflation because you know, energy prices, oil prices is dragging that reading down.
1: Well, and it's, energy prices have a, an impact on other sectors, too, like industrials in particular. Has absolutely. A, a big impact in that sector.
3: Absolutely. Um, overall, earnings season been pretty good, so beating expectations by about 5%. So um, can't be too upset about that. Uh, we'll recap some of the uh, economic releases for last Friday as well as this week. Um, First, uh, first economic release from last weekend. We had a uh, employment situation on Friday. Um, labor picture continues to look good. We had payroll gains rebound in June with the addition of 222,000 jobs, which exceeded expectations. Uh, figures for the two previous months were also revised higher by about, uh, 47,000 employers added on average 194,000 jobs each month, which is about twice what we need to keep pace, uh, with the growth in Population right,
1: and and the unemployment rate actually edged higher a little bit. Which yeah, you got is, people is
3: moving into the work exactly. moving back into the workforce.
1: So you're starting to see some some definite tightening. I mean, we have got to be, if not at f- full employment, pretty darn close. That's
3: the thing. No, what's the real definition yeah. of full employment? I mean, if you look back historically, I mean, how much lower can you yeah, get? We pretty much knowledge? are there. Well, yeah. when
1: you start seeing more workers entering the labor force, I think that's the the indicator. I mean, to me, it makes sense that you would have, um, you know, that labor force. Starting to shrink, even as you know people who are underemployed or whatever um, are now moving back into into the labor market, so th- even though the unemployment rate is slightly higher, it still indicates sort of a tightening in, in the overall labor market when you consider underemployment and things like that
3: yeah absolutely but I mean with the labor market tightening, the one thing we, we're still yet to see is you know meaningful wage growth um, rose zero point two percent in a month for an annual gain of two point five percent now that 's above where we 're seeing inflation right now but for as tight as the labor market is, you would expect to see wage growth. And economists keep talking, you know, hey, it's coming, it's coming. But we've we've yet to see that. So yeah, hopefully –
1: the, the Fed, I mean, has, has kind of talked about raising – they raised rates a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they continue to talk about now that the focus is shrinking the balance sheet, trying to, to go in and um, allow some of the, the bonds that they purchased to m- mature, and they're not going to reinvest basically, right? Right. So that should – indicate that they believe inflation is coming at some point but we haven't seen it yet. Absolutely. So I don't know what the what the outcome is going to be for that. And, you know, yelling, when is her term up, Nick? Is that in January or something like that? I don't know
3: when it ends, but I know there's a very, I think they're putting a 20% chance that she's actually uh, reappointed as Fed chair. Yeah. So So we'll likely see some shuffling there.
1: She's trying to to cement her legacy sort of to to some extent. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do over the next, you know, six to eight months.
3: Yeah. Even next week, we've got a Fed meeting next Wednesday. So, uh, you know, if you look at the world interest rate probabilities uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get another interest rate hike until March believe it or not right it's the first time we see it above fifty percent I think about fifty seven percent so th- really what it tells us is probably the focus is going to be on like you said unraveling the balance sheet you yeah. know winding down the balance sheet how much are they going to reinvest um, and and really guide us in terms of a timeline for for how they're going to do this um MBA mortgage applications were released uh, on Wednesday, saw uh, an increase in mortgage applications, so that's good. Index overall rose 3 percent. Refinance was up 5.3 percent, and the purchase index was up just under 1 percent. Uh, productivity and cost was also released on Wednesday. Non-farm productivity rose 0.9 percent um, in the second quarter on a year-go basis. Productivity growth was up 1.2%. Um, the overall trend in productivity really remains weak. Lo- unit labor costs increased 0.6% in an annual rate in the second quarter. Um, unit labor costs fell 0.2% over the last four quarters. Again, plays into the fact that we're really not seeing much in terms of wage growth at this time. Our weekly jobless claims number came out, um, and it was basically uh, basically up three 3,000. But the four-week moving average, which is what we tend to focus on um, was only up 1000. So no big concerns there. And guys, I think it's probably a good place for us to go ahead and stop and take a break, pay some bills. Um, You're listening to money talks, we will be right back.
2: Dog of the week.
3: All right, guys, you know what time it is. I think the music is somewhat indicative of that, right? The dog of the week. <laughs> Guess what time it is. Time for the dog of the week. And this is the dog of the week. This week is a stock I've trashed since it went public. Oh, what, like a month ago within mm-hmm. the last two months? But weren't Blue? you using it,
0: too, though? Have you been no. using this?
3: No, I no? have not used it. I thought
0: I've you told me you tried I have not used any this. of the
3: services. I have cooked a HelloFresh meal that belonged to someone else. Why don't you tell them
1: what we're talking about first, Nick? All
3: right, fine. I'm trying to give a good lead. Blue with. Apron. <laughs> Blue Apron is down almost 20% today after their first ever earnings report as a public company. Now, yeah, 20%, that's that's pretty awful, but let's talk about how it's down 50% from the IPO. Yeah. So you're telling me it's a buying opportunity? I am not saying? telling you that. Okay. He's saying sure. keep waiting. It's a value company. for a reason. Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. The okay. Uh, well, we talked about this on the radio. Uh, it's been a month or so ago, I guess, right before the IPO, and we talked about how the the market for that company is. I mean, the, it's pretty saturated. Right? It is. There's just a lot of competition, and the, there's not a whole lot of, uh, of moat, I guess, for for lack of a better term. There's
3: there's there's there. I don't I don't I find that there's Little to none, how do you, know? you gain
0: competitive advantage when so many people it's other such people an easy thing they were talking to emulate. about their
3: proprietary product. I'm like, your recipe because <laughs> it's not that hard to replicate the yeah. recipe and, and it seems that every service is the same, but you know the kicker was when this I think it was right before they actually went public, Amazon came out and they're like, "Oh by the way, not only are we buying whole foods, we're going to do the same thing, prepared you know yeah. we're going we're gonna ship you."
1: Yeah, you don't want to be playing with Amazon right
3: now. No, absolutely not. Uh,
1: (laughs) That's a hard company to compete with, even if you're like Walmart and (laughs) some of these other big dogs.
3: And if Um, you read into the risks of like the quarterly reports of of this company, even the CEO is like, "Uh, we may not be around for very long. It it almost makes you doubt that they're going concern by the words of mm -hmm. the CEO. And and to me, why would you ever want to be part of that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we always talk about how – you know, if you you get down fifty percent in the market, you got to make a hundred percent now to just yeah. get back where you started from. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's so that's, a that's not a good good that.
1: place to be, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough road to hoe for Blue Apron as well.
3: It's certainly not. All right, guys. Well, uh, I want to touch on a couple more things uh, in terms of the market and economics for the week before we transition transition into some financial planning talk, more in uh, in line with what you guys do on a daily basis. It's our wheelhouse. Exactly. But one more. Have uh, a wheelhouse. Have a real house. (laughs) Uh, Oh, real house. Uh, This is my real house. Talk about a real house. Um, Producer price index was released Thursday. Uh, Producer price index for found demand fell 0.1 percent in July, which was weaker than consensus expectations. With declines being pretty broad based, so it goes back to the Fed saying, you know, hey, we think there may be a pullback in inflation in the short term. But this was a few months ago, and we still haven't seen inflation pick up. Um, We'll get CPI tomorrow, which is Friday. But you know, when is this actually going to come to fruition? Their expectations that we're going to get two to two and a half percent.
1: Well, the the thing that that makes you scratch your head is okay. We talked earlier about the labor market and how we are we have to be at full full employment or or close enough to it to make make it logically uh, an an option that prices would start to go up, that wages would go up, which would then cause prices to go up, right? And that's sort of the the normal cycle of how it works. And wages are still stagnant, um, and I think the Fed is thinking the same thing that we are. And at some point, this thing has got to start moving in a direction where you're going to see wage growth and the prices are going to follow. It and just
3: seems we're so late in the cycle for this to, to, to still be waiting on this. You yeah, know?
1: I agree, and and I don't understand what's causing the, the delay or causing the inflation to not be there. My concern is that at some point it's going to hit and, and it's going to hit – uh, at a more rapid pace than we're prepared to handle.
3: That could absolutely happen. You know, two things kind of that, that could help us. If we see energy prices tick higher, that'll translate into you know higher inflation as well as we've had a slight decline in the dollar uh, since Trump was voted in office. So right. again, that helps with inflation as well. So hopefully those things, those two things will play out. Um, interest rates were pretty much unchanged for the week. No big movements worth discussing. You got the thirty-year bond at two point eight one percent, the ten-year at two point two two. 30-year um, uh, average mortgage rate, 3.92%. One last thing to touch on here, we had Disney come out and report earnings this week. Um, I believe it was a miss on the top line, miss on revenue, beat on earnings. But what was, intre- what was interesting to see here is the big concern with Disney has been ESPN, mm-hmm. You know, slower revenue growth in ESPN um, viewership. But what they've decided to do is now come out with an over-the-top subscription-based product just for ESPN, which I think is going to be big for Disney because yeah,
1: that's a, a lot of people
3: are tied to cable for the sports.
1: That's exactly. I mean, I was going to mention that, cause you, you know, we we cut our cable a while back and I actually had to resubscribe because you can't get the sports without yeah. the cable at this point. I mean, there are some of the, the streaming options now that are available that weren't available when I did this a couple of years ago. But uh, to, for Disney to come out and say they're going to offer a package that's just subscription only ESPN. I think that's the right move.
0: So why do you think it's getting hurt so bad, though, when, when you give positive guidance like that? And, yeah, I mean, it's probably it's not a great thing for them to be cutting ties with Netflix, given how successful Netflix has been. But with that guidance, like you just said, Nick, I mean, with them developing this streaming service, you'd think, you know, it would have... Not been hit quite as hard as I it think. Has.
3: I think the movie studio, a miss there, a decline there was also uh, something that drove the stock lower. You had, I believe, it was Pirates of the Caribbean. It was basically a flop,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
3: Um So, and you don't have, a, you didn't have a, a strong lineup of releases for Disney, yeah, um, in the quarter. So I think that's probably something else. I mean, the stock didn't get, how was it down, like three and some percent in the end of the day, something like that. Yeah. So it's not like it got absolutely crushed. Um, and, and it's like you and I have t- talked about. It. I think seeing a pullback in a company like Disney
1: mm-hmm.
3: like that, it's probably a buying opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, little, one of the things that stands out to me is the profit at the theme parks grew 18%. Yeah. I mean, that's a big That's big, And that says move. a lot
3: about the consumer, too. For
1: sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of consumer. confidence left in the, in the, from the consumer side.
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, I think that about wraps us up for uh, economic data. We'll go ahead and uh, move into... Some financial planning topics um, about college education planning. Julia and Marcus are at high points in their careers. Marcus is going to retire when he reaches age 71 and a half and needs to take his RMDs. Because they have the money, they're looking for ways to help their grand- grandchildren's education.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is a relatively common thing to see. You know, you get people who have worked into their, uh, you know, late 60s, early 70s deciding to retire, and then they're, they're going to have – uh, they've got saved enough money to last for the rest of their lifetime, or, or based on their their planning objectives, it, it appears that that's right. the case. So there's a little bit of excess, and they want to take the excess and help out their grandchildren, put them put them through college in some way. Um, you know, one of the the common vehicles that we see and we recommend a lot of times for this is a 529 plan. Um, you know, most every state has one now. I guess every state does have at least one option available,
3: and that's the um, most common yeah, way it so, is, right? It
1: is, and and to go through, you you have to go through the state sponsored plan. Um, there are some some uh, brokerage options that that are available. Um, most of the time, the state is a little bit less expensive. So they have some uh, lower cost investment options. Um, and it just as good of in investment returns as the brokered option. So that's generally what we recommend. The state of Georgia has a really strong plan offered by TIAA-CREF, um, and the website is pathtocollege.com. It's uh, um, it's pretty easy to enroll and get, get set up. Um, there are some benefits for in this situation when the grandparents own the plan versus either the parents or the children uh, as the, the account owners. Um, the the main benefit is a grandparent-owned 529 plan does not count in the calculation for federal financial aid. Um, so when you fill out your FAFSA form... You have a
3: higher chance of qualifying.
1: Exactly. So as the grandparent assets don't count, now there's a catch, and that is that the if the grandparents turn around and then use that money to pay for the education, that does count on the next year's FAFSA as income to the student. Um, so students... Student's income is is fifty percent of their income is included in the FAFSA calculation. So you're essentially, you know, re- removing fifty percent of your potential benefit right. in terms of student aid.
3: Does it make any more sense that it, let's say you can't afford to to pay for all four years? Does it make sense to weight those more towards the? L- the later years, yeah. like years three and four, Absolutely. that way you can qualify for financial aid and say, years one and two.
1: Exactly. So if if, if you're just going to use the, the 529 plan money, let's say you just have enough to pay for one-fourth of the education, you would want to use all that in the final year so that it doesn't matter because there won't be a financial aid calculation right. for the following year. Uh, so that's sort of a, a good strategy in terms of that. Um, well, you know, it's a
0: benefit to the grandparents too, right? If it's, especially if these he's reached or they have reached uh, age of RMDs and yeah. want to kind of redirect that and you know m- minimize that that tax burden that comes along with those sometimes. That Absolutely, a good place to stick it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they're going to have to take the the mandatory withdrawal amount, um, you know, out of their four, or their IRA or four hundred one k you know assuming that he he does quit working if he's got the money in a 401k and is still working he is less than a five percent owner he can defer that rmd but in most cases you know if he's going to quit working uh he'll have to take the mandatory withdrawal if he doesn't have a need for the money he can use it to fund one of these plans it's a great estate planning tool as well if they have a if they're over the estate exclusion amount because you can super fund these 529 plans um you know, basically making the $14,000 uh, annual gift limit contribution mm-hmm. uh, times five. Right. And so so you can really get a lot of money into these plans uh, for estate planning purposes. So it, it's a it's a nice tool, a lot of options there. You know, there's other things people can do. There's Roths. Um, sometimes people use a Roth IRA to, to fund college, yep. uh, which is that way. You know, the downside of the 529 plan is if you don't use the money for college, or for a qualified education expense, which could be, you know, tuition, room and board, books, equipment, things like that. But if, you, t- if the kid doesn't go to college, or you know, they get a scholarship or something, you could could run out of uh, the, the use for that money, and then you're yeah. stuck paying taxes, taxes as a 10% it. penalty.
3: Yeah, well, that's a great topic, guys. I think we'll touch on a few other things when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. Um, go pay some bills. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
0: When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you, and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks.
3: Welcome back. I'm Nick Antonucci, joined by Casey Smith, Jared McKenzie, and guys, what a perfect fitting. Yeah, that's a good intro right that, there. That one. Intro. That was- To the topic at hand. (laughs) I don't know. I refuse to uh, say whose idea it was. Give him credit.
1: (laughs) Look, uh, they bring up a good point, though, and something that should be be mentioned. And if you were paying attention to the intro, you definitely should not try to uh, sacrifice your own retirement to put your kids through college. There are loans, there are other avenues to pay for a college education. There are no retirement loans that I'm aware of. Right. Um, So it's it's while sending your kid to college and making sure that they start off with a relatively low amount of debt as they begin their working career is a great thing if you can do it that's fantastic but
0: well, don't good.
1: let that be a, a you know sacrifice yourself yeah. at the the mercy of right. the education system well let them get a little bit of skin in
0: the game too you know i mean yeah. i think that helps while while i would certainly advocate for helping
3: you value and appreciate that education exactly. a little more.
0: Yeah. You know, and you're more hesitant to drop a class and, yeah. and things like that. And so, I, while I don't think you know parents should just leave it completely up to their children, for you know, I think there's some some uh, definite benefit to letting them go and get these loans and pursue other avenues.
3: Sure. And I want to want to come back around to something that, that you were mentioning earlier, Casey, is you know different plans have different options, and it's important that when you are starting one of these plans, contributing, selecting your investments, that your investments should be consistent with something conservative or that fits your risk tolerance for paying for a college education. Now, I I doubt very much that most of these plans have anything that's, you know, way out there risky. I don't know. Some may be more flexible than others. I, I'm not sure of the plan specifics, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the time, the, your investment options are, are somewhat limited. It's sort of like the, the options within a 401k plan at your employer. You know, you're going to have your your growth options, you're going to have your fixed options, you're going to have some kind of blend of those. You're and not going to um, have
3: leveraged, double, usually long, not. double I, short, I haven't which is good. That, but, which uh, is good because you know, <laughs> this isn't meant to be something where you take an inordinate amount of risk to try and, you know, oh, I'm going to try and make a bunch of money and pay for college. That's right. not the purpose of this account at all. So as, as is the case with any account that you're opening, and any investments you're making, um, make sure you understand what you're buying and, and make right. sure it's fitting.
0: And uh, those options will vary from state to state, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, we are all eligible for whatever state we might want to enroll in. For sure. And, and you know, your investment options within those plans, whichever you decide to choose, uh, can certainly vary. But something we didn't mention earlier is that actually if you reside in the state, uh, for which you enroll in that plan, there is a state tax benefit as well. For in, most Georgia, in Georgia, there is. In Georgia, the state. Not yeah. all states offer that. For Georgia, okay.
1: it does. Uh, it's two thousand mm-hmm. up to your contributions are deductible up to two thousand dollars for single filers, four thousand dollars married filing joint. So mm-hmm. there is a state tax benefit. Georgia state tax is six percent generally, so it's not. A uh, significant. That's not the primary reason to do this. It, the, right. the bigger benefit right. is the tax-free growth, both at the federal and state level, if you use it for education. You know, going back to the Roth option, and this ties into the intro as well. You know, a Roth is a decent way to save for college when you consider that you can take your contributions out, tax and penalty free, whenever you mm-hmm. need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way you could you could use essentially use the contributions to pay for the college and let the growth continue to accumulate. <coughs> right. Excuse me, and you use that. You know for yeah. uh, your retirement so. it's a,
0: it's a great idea. It's something we talk about with retirees you know unrelated to education planning, which is diversifying the tax status of your accounts for right sure, I mean, yeah. same thing you'd want to do here if, if you're pulling from one bucket, so to speak, your hands are very much tied and you know the tax impact of your decisions and and you know where you're able to pull money from and so when you've got you know two or three different places from which to access funds for a certain uh, reason, then it's always going to be beneficial to have a little bit of flexibility and options right there. so.
3: Well, I mean, every time we touch on these financial planning topics, I think it kind of emphasizes to me and hopefully to the listeners how important it is to, to have a financial plan, have a financial advisor, have someone who can help you along the way because you can get lost in the details, and, it, and it's a mm-hmm. lot to know. So unless sure. this is something you're doing as a career, you're more than likely going to miss something unless you've got a lot of free time on your right. hands. So.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, we didn't thank- even pay Nick to say that.
3: It's true, <laughs> but you can.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, just a quick point on that. I actually have gotten quite a few questions, especially lately, about whether or not uh, a client can, uh, you know, one of our clients calling to have us help them out with a 529 plan. And, you know, unfortunately, these are state-sponsored plans, and so we don't typically actively manage them per se. But we would give guidance. We can give guidance, uh, you know, depending on what your investment options are and kind of the time horizon for your, your children's need for this money, that sort of thing. But uh, they are state-sponsored plans,
1: and uh, they would not be actively managed like say uh, an IRA would. Well sure. most of our, our listeners I think probably are aware of our 10 year rule investment philosophy that applies to college saving sort of. Um, we tend to find that people are okay with being a little bit more aggressive when they're saving for college because mm-hmm. you know worst case scenario they could either you know, borrow. borrow for for to cover the cost or pay out of cash flow and then let the, the uh, funds recover before they have to actually use the money sure. to pay for it. So there's There's some things that can be a little bit more flexible than our normal 10-year rule investment philosophy. But it is good to to keep your time horizon in mind, be a little bit more conservative as you get closer to having to to use those funds.
3: Absolutely, guys. That's a great topic, especially as the college year begins. Probably, you know, this week, next week, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost started. college football season again, too. That's right. That's Thank that the Lord. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's do it like we do every week. Let's take some listener questions. And for those of you out there who have questions you'd like to submit, you can send them in to us. You can uh, reach us at 770-429-9166, or you can email your questions to drjean at hensler.com. That's H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pretty much find us on any social media. So send us in your questions. We'll be happy to answer them on the air. On that note, uh, we're going to take a question from Tanya from Carrollton who asks What is your stand on Pfizer these days? I remember you recommending it years ago and didn't know if this was still a good buy in your option. And you're right, we did use to own it in our equity income portfolio because of the dividend. So Pfizer's a uh, biopharmaceutical company whose business is in the discovery, development, and manufacturing of healthcare products, drugs, um, and some. In the industry, consider Pfizer's drug portfolio to be the best in class. That's arguable. But uh, the company's most recent quarter showed solid bottom line growth. So saw earnings ticking up um, thanks to lower production costs, but it was somewhat offset in, the, uh, in uh, by a decline in sales. So uh, several of the company's more mature drugs are facing pricing pressures. Um, as well as patent expirations. So there's a little bit of concern there, but on the positive side, the company's pipeline appears to be strong. Management's saying they got about 25 to 30 approvals, and the new product cycle, uh, cycle led by Oncology looks pretty promising as well. Oncology alone uh, last year was 56%. So, you know, it it sounds as though they'll probably be able to uh, rebound from some of the patent expirations. From a valuation stance, they trade below their five-year average P.E. And compared to their peers, they traded a discount. Um, but at the same time, earnings growth is projected to be a little bit lower. So obviously you can expect a multiple that's going to be a little bit lower, should be reflective of that. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily pound the table to buy the stock. If you own it, I'd say, you know, you're fine to continue to hold it. I don't see any reason to jump out right now. I would like to see valuation get a little more attractive um, before I jumped in. But, you know, there are some positives going for the company. uh, Generic pricing pressure is likely going to persist. But if, as I said, oncology picks that up, you should start to see sales growth, which should translate into bottom line growth. Um, Also, aging demographics works in their favor. And the 4% dividend yield doesn't hurt either. kind of provides a floor for that stock. It's well covered. So um, if you own it, continue to hold it. If you don't and you're interested in it, Wait for a pullback. In the meantime, a couple of names we like, uh, Novo Nordis, which is in diabetes care, um, Celgene, which is oncology, mm-hmm. and then Gilead Sciences, which is on the uh, hepatitis C treatment. Yeah. So I'll move on to a question, uh, financial planning related. Aiden from Dallas, do I need a financial advisor to manage my 401k rollover?
0: Do you need one? Not necessarily, but do you want one? I would hope so because, you know, it would, it would help to, I would say, have some professional guidance, uh, in relation to making that money last, right? I mean, if it was just a pot of money that you were going to try and live off of for the rest of your life, uh, you know, so be it. But chances are that money's going to have to last you as long as it took you to accumulate it. And so in order to make it, uh, you know, last over that period of time, there's going to be, uh, you know, well, I guess depending on your account balance, uh, I guess we could all have uh, enough. But what is enough? And that can vary from from person to person, right? But at the end of the day, uh, you know, as cost of living continues to increase, inflation keeps creeping up, uh, and the time value of money alone can really eat into those savings over time. And so uh, what you want to try and do is extend the life of those assets for as long as possible. And in doing that, you know, you, you don't want to subject it to an unnecessary amount of risk. If right.
3: It's you- just like what we talked about in the previous – uh, topic on, on uh, 529 plans and, and IRAs in general, um, you need to know what you're investing in. It needs to meet your financial goals, your objectives, and, and not everybody's situation is the same. A lot of people go out there and buy target date funds, but right. what I don't like about those is it, it lumps everyone's situation as the same if you're Retiring in the mm-hmm. same year. Or it's all a matter of when of you
1: years. need the money. I mean, that's our overarching philosophy: is you don't necessarily have to be in, you know, eighty percent bonds because you're eighty years old. They're, that doesn't make any sense. You yeah. Are, if you don't need the money, then you can afford you can keep it in stock and let it grow.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, I think this is another good uh, stopping point for us. Go take a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Nick Antonucci, joined by Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie, answering your submitted questions on a bunch of different financial topics, stock-specific, planning-related. Um, as I said earlier, if you miss that, you can email us or Phone in your questions at 770-429-9166 or at drgene at hensler.com.
1: Don't forget the question hotline, uh, 1-855-429-9166. If you want to call up and uh, record your your question, we will play it on the air. That's right. Get you 15
0: right. minutes of fame. That's well, right. 15 seconds maybe.
3: Yeah, yeah. that's more <laughs> like it. That. That, that fame <laughs> is kind of relative a, too. Please don't, don't leave know. a 15-minute right. voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> we won't get your question.
1: Oh, All right, guys.
3: Let's uh, jump in with a couple more, uh, couple more questions from some listeners. Uh, Wes from Sandy Springs. I own shares of Capital One Financial. This isn't a bank that I've heard you talk about, so I wanted to get your opinion on the stock. I've always agreed with your picks, but it seems we look for different things in financials. Um, if you're interested in Capital One, we definitely look for different things in financials. This is certainly one that we would stay away from. Um, while it does meet our financial strength criteria – just the overall macro picture is negative for, or we see it as negative for Capital One right now. Uh, pockets are, of the credit market are showing stress, so you're seeing volumes declining, rates are rising, but the curve's not steepening significantly. So that's really where someone like Capital One would expand their net interest margin, become more profitable. And then, more so than a traditional bank, is extremely exposed. You have 60% of their profits coming from credit cards, and we're seeing delinquency rates rising across the industry. Surveys show consumer demand for credit is down 5%, and banks overall tightening credit standards. Yet Capital One continues to increase risk in its loan portfolio with about a third of its credit card lending subprime. So, you know, flashing red, Right there. Stay away from it. Um, Auto loans are about 25% of earnings. Um, You're seeing expanding loan maturities. You're seeing delinquencies there, too. Um, Loan loss coverage ratio at 2.6 is down from three in a year, year earlier. Um, and, again, within auto loans, you're seeing a lot of subprime exposure, 30% exposure to subprime and over 5% delinquency rates.
1: Yeah, from what I've been reading about the auto loan industry, that there's some serious red flags similar to what we saw in, oh, the, in the mortgage the market Oh, absolutely. The good news is, ago.
3: you know, you see those headlines. You're like, oh, is this financial crisis 2.0? No. Yeah, it's not as much exposure. The auto market, yeah, exactly, is never going to wreak havoc like the housing market did. Right. Uh, but it's still something to be aware of. But
1: and if you're Capital One, you need to be concerned about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, – Our answer, no, we would not recommend the stock, and we'd recommend you either sell if you own it or just stay away from it altogether. Uh, Last question we'll talk about here, guys, and I want to transition and revisit the topic of volatility in the markets and what we can expect next week. But Elizabeth from Ableton, my granddaughter who will graduate college in a year, has asked me to co-sign her third private loan, which will bring her total debt to $30,000. She needs three people to co-sign. Her parents and the other grandparents have agreed, and she wants me to be the third party. I love my granddaughter and trust her intentions, but I really don't like co-signing a loan for anyone. If I refuse, I'll really be in the doghouse. Is there any way I could guarantee that I would only be responsible for this loan if the others don't pay?
1: Sorry, Elizabeth. I, I don't know how to... How to help you there. This is a kind of a tough one. The uh, If you do co-sign on the loan, you're going to be equally responsible for paying the debt. And if somebody doesn't pay, then you're going to get dinged just like they are.
0: Yeah. Well, um, but to your question, I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. You, you are only responsible if they don't pay. But to Casey's point, you are as much on the hook as her for that payment. So, yeah, you it's going to be required that she she pay the loan back. But if she doesn't, then that's going to put you uh, probably in a world of hurt, I guess. There's
3: no senior, junior structure to uh, signing for a loan now. like (laughs) no not
1: at all so there's uh there's some risk there i mean obviously if if it's something that you feel strongly about we're not telling you don't do it for sure but it's uh it's it's a big time risk and could make thanksgiving dinner a little bit uncomfortable
3: if things go go south so uh you you may just want to be cautious there absolutely all right thanks guys Well, as uh, as you know, if you're following the markets, this has been a volatile week. Um, No telling what tomorrow will bring. Although, you know, when you see the headlines Thursday afternoon, and it's more about North Korea and and, and the threats, you have to assume that volatility is probably going to continue. We've seen a spike in the VIX, which is the volatility index. You know, a lot of people consider it the fear index. We've seen it jump 14% just on Wednesday, and this is three straight days that we've seen the VIX jump. Mm -hmm. Um, It's its highest level since May. So people are clearly taking notice and shifting their assets. So, you know, what does this mean long-term? There's no telling. You know, this could be, as I mentioned earlier, it's not like we've seen the economic data start signaling recession or that you should be concerned. But these geopolitical tensions and these headlines, they're going to drive the market.
1: Yeah, Yeah. the volatility is probably, you know, it's been historically low over the past several years. Absolutely. Uh, So to see a a 14% jump in the VIX, I mean, it's a little bit shocking because we haven't seen that in a while. But it's not, you know, it's certainly not the all-time high for a, a move on the volatility index. The, the, uh, I guess the, the biggest thing to think about now is just making sure that you're well-positioned in your portfolio. If we do go into uh, an economic downturn, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a 20% decline in the market. Yeah. We typically get those, those on average once every three years, and we haven't had one since what 2011, right. is that right? So that was when the debt was downgraded. Um,
3: and so, which, who knows what that picture is going to bring with uh, raising the debt ceiling again? Exactly. Not so so we might future. be up
1: against that again. So th- there's there's definitely uh, a chance that we might see some market pullback here, and and we've been kind of preaching on that for a few months now. You know, we saw a good rally coming off the election, but if you're not already covered for liquidity, now is a good time to think about doing that. If you haven't rebalanced your portfolio. Now's is a good time to do that. Well, you know, the market has come back a little bit, but it's nothing like it could do. So it's still a good time to, to yeah look c-
3: consider. At. You're still only down what like a one one and a percent from an all time high. Yeah, we're so. still
1: up over ten percent for the year. So it's it's really just a blip at this point. But exactly. you want to be prepared in, in case it, it does continue and and we go into a bad market.
3: And that's the importance of having a diversified portfolio. You know, m- maybe now, and this isn't something we we often often say, and I'm not saying you should now, but if it's something you're comfortable with, adding a small amount of exposure to gold Mm -hmm. you can do that if that helps you sleep better at night again this is not something we we preach but if it it is important that if it it, if it helps you sleep better at night and you're not afraid that your portfolio is going to go to zero then by all means do so i mean you have gold outperforming this week it's up 2.15 percent versus the market down 1.28. So I'm glad
0: you bring that up not much
3: correlation there. That's a point, which is what actually, you want.
0: Yeah, we've had some clients ask that lately, you know, with with there being a downturn on the horizon, you know, when that is ultimately going to be, who knows, but that being the case, you still got inflation You know, slowly creeping up, but to our point earlier in the show, it's not, you know, it's not excessive. However, interest rates are still going to continue to rise. And as that has, you know, the inverse relationship, as you guys know, uh, with bond yields and, and, and the effect it has on fixed income in general, where do you go? If I'm still not getting anything on fixed income and, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of the stock market or, or, you know, growth equities, if you will, then, you know, where, where do I go? Where do I put this money? If you're saying all of this is sort of
1: playing in? Well, diversification, I mean, like, Nick said earlier, that's that's really a big key component here because if you look internationally, there might be some opportunity there. Absolutely, you know, we've seen the international markets be down. We always tell clients, as long as it's in, in a diversified portfolio, the international exposure actually reduces your overall risk, which is not something right. that's sort of counterintuitive because you right. think internationally, think risky. If you incorporate that into a well diversified domestic portfolio, it brings your standard deviation measure of risk down. Yeah,
3: exactly. Um, you know, there's a whole – remember, there's a whole world outside of U.S. equities. So, yep. you know, make make sure you're open-minded um, to that. And, and it may – as Casey said, it may be a good time to rebalance as we've been talking about for several months now. Maybe you transition more into bonds because, yeah, you're going to see probably a, a, a decrease in yields from everyone moving into bonds. But if you're managing for like total return, if it's in a retirement account or something like that, you should get that price appreciation on the right. other side. So, you know yeah.
1: – and and we've seen you know in our portfolios you guys Nick have have moved our managed portfolios to a more defensive type position we've gotten a little bit heavier in utilities um you know increased the the weighting to a number of like consumer staples things yeah, that are, healthcare, that are they're the be, more defensive uh,
3: sectors exactly
1: so we're we're pretty well positioned we think uh and uh, what that means for individual clients is making sure that their portfolio is is in line with our model so that we're able to to keep them m-
3: more defensive as well. Sure. Hey, you know, w- one last thought, guys. It makes me wonder is we went through these periods where we had a lot of small terrorist attacks, you know, over the past, let's say, five years. And every time it seemed to affect the market less and less to a point where nowadays you don't really even see the market react if we continue to see these headlines day after day, week after week, at what point does the market start to kind of brush it off and say, "Oh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not that worried about it anymore"? And I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see that happen.
1: Uh, and you you think about the way the markets work, and and the short term, you know, market movements are going to be driven by the headlines. That, yeah. That's probably not going to change. In the long run, though, what really matters is the earnings of the companies. As long as the companies can continue to produce earnings and grow their earnings over time, you're going to see the stock price rise, and there's just that's just how it works.
3: That's exactly and, right. Uh,
1: so, you know, I've had been fielding calls from clients who are nervous about North Korea, and rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot of words being thrown out right now that don't give you a warm and fuzzy. You just have to remember we've been through this before: 9-11, World War II, Vietnam War. There's been global conflicts for. Forever. As long as yeah, Forever. as long as man has roamed the earth, so uh, this isn't the first time, and it won't be the last. And just take a long-term approach.
0: Well, if you want to take the volatility out of the equation, cover for liquidity. Don't go into it having or having to or needing, you know, income from the portfolio that you can't get too easily. Absolutely,
3: that's right. Well, guys, you know how we do it at the end here: up or down next week? It's got to be up after this week. Yeah, it's going up. I agree, going up. Thanks for listening to Money Talks.